This is Paul Davy, Yield Point Specialist for Egg Services in Warren, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHF Egg Services, providing solutions for your success. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan, along with Sierra Doctor. Well, yesterday's weather system brought mostly a dusting of one to two inches of snow across its path. National Weather Service uh, Bismarck meteorologist Todd Hamilton says uh, with flurries in the rearview mirror, cold temperatures will be the norm. We had a system move through uh, last night and this morning, brought some very strong winds, some light snow, some hazardous driving conditions out there uh, overnight and early this morning, uh, especially in the Red River Valley, northern portions of the Red River Valley. That's all moving off now. Um, we could see a little bit of light snow over western North Dakota uh, today and this evening, mainly flurries elsewhere. But our real, really our, our big story today and, and going forward is going to be the temperatures. Highs today are probably already been met, and temperatures will continue to fall through the day. And we can expect single digits for the next few days. It's not too bad right now in the Bismarck area. We're in the lower 20s. Colder as you go north and east into the northern Red River Valley with only single digits at this time. And warmer in the southwest part of the state with temperatures uh, right now around maybe 30 degrees or so. But everything's going to be falling throughout the state uh, through the day today. And we'll see overnight lows probably 5 to 15 below zero uh, across the state. And we'll start to see wind chills in the 25 to 35 degree below zero area, probably north and east of Lake Chicagoe and the Missouri River. Bennett Consulting Market Analyst Matt Bennett says the soybean market has had an interesting week. On the week, we've gained a little bit of ground, but what's been very interesting is this soybean meal. So meal looked like it was on a on its last leg, quite frankly. Uh, meal today is up about 10 bucks a ton off the lows. Uh, meal uh, on the week, it's pushing over $30 off the lows. So, you know, you looked at a uh, settlement last week on meal. We were at 463, you know, and then you come in here today and uh, uh, you, you you really got beat up the first couple of days of the week. Come in here today and you're trading 480. So a uh, meal market in the midst of decent rainfall in Argentina is still alive and well. Bennett says Argentina's soybean market is supporting the meal market. Brazilian meal is actually cheaper than Argentine meal, but as we know, they don't put near as much out on the world market. So are we going to start to see a little bit of a, a shift in mentality around the world? You know, U.S. obviously going to be uh, crushing a lot of beans as well, uh, crushing them uh, as much or more so for oil moving forward uh, than what we uh, have always crushed them for, which has been meal. So there might be a chance, I'd say, not today, not uh, this year maybe even, but I do think moving forward you're going to see the U.S. a much bigger exporter of soybean meal out on the world market. Grain markets have put a bit firmer week in this week. CHS hedging market analyst Ryan Kelbrandt says light profit taking ahead of the weekend, though, is not out of the question. We have uh, the grain uh, futures expire for February uh, grains and oil seeds today. Um, that'll be at the close, and then we're going to look at export inspections on Monday. But we've had some good export sales, some daily releases uh, this week, Monday through Thursday. Uh, nothing this morning, but uh, yesterday's export sales, too, were pretty positive. So maybe a little bit of a technical selling ahead of the weekend, maybe a little bit of profit-taking. I don't discount that. Kelbrantz expects farmer selling to pick up. 
we've seen some stuff move this week. We've had some of the uh, basis at some of these processing plants uh, kind of give up a little bit, but uh, good movement. The weather's been cooperative. Rail seems like it's doing a little bit of a better job, um, and I think people are moving stuff ahead of next week's you know cold weather forecast. Differences between the policy and promotion sides of the North Dakota corn industry were on display in the House Agriculture Committee hearing this morning. A bill has been introduced calling for the North Dakota Corn Growers Association to receive 50% of corn checkoff funding for policy development and corn grower education. Andrew Maux leads the grower group and says the organization is at a crossroads. On farm beer year, years like they are now, um, a lot of this stuff is changing very fast and um, we need to respond and um, adequately um, educate um, legislators or um, the growers of, of our great state. Um, and with that ever-changing, um, just to have that uh, funds and the structure um, know that that's there, that we can do the things that we are, we are after. North Dakota Corn Grower Council, or Corn Council Executive Director Gene Heading testified in opposition to this proposal. I am concerned with the fact that half of the checkoff will continue to be subject to extensive financial controls, as it should be, but the other half will be free to be spent at the, at the association's discretion without the same financial controls. Respectfully, Vice Chairman Belts and House Ag Committee members, I ask that you vote no on HB 1153. Please let the council contract with programming that the association brings forward rather than this forced financial relationship in this legislation. Henning reminded lawmakers about a decision by the Attorney General's office and the legislature in 2017 to provide financial separation between the North Dakota Corn Growers Association and Corn Council. North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum kicked off testimony this morning in the legislature on a bill designed to expand animal agriculture in the state. Burgum downplayed questions about the siting of livestock operations and zoning. As North Dakotans, I can't believe that, that Minnesotans and Iowans and Nebraskans and South Dakotas can figure it out, and we can't. I don't think we're, I think, I think we, if we're going to be prideful about how good we are at agriculture, I think we, I think we can figure that out and cross that, solve, solve those problems if they exist. Burgum advocated for the expansion of livestock and poultry operations during his State of the State address and continued on that theme during today's testimony. I don't know why we're fighting about this in our state because it's a, uh, we're protecting the things we're concerned about. You cannot do corporate farming under this law. You farmers can do animal agriculture under this law and that's great. Again, rural communities, rural schools and, and, and our family farms. Go to the Red River Farm Network's website, rrfn.com. You can sign up for the weekly FarmNet News e-newsletter. You can also download this broadcast and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, all at rrfn.com. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. North Dakota Farmers Union is opposed to House Bill 1371. President Mark Watney said it'll allow any corporation to own cattle feedlots, swine, dairy, and poultry farms. This bill would allow meat packers such as Smithfields, a Chinese company, and a JBS, a Brazilian company, to own cattle feedlots and hog barns. These same companies own 80-some percent of the beef slaughter and have been signed up for price-fixing issues. They've removed themselves from the open cry market, causing farmers and ranchers, our family farmers and ranchers, get paid less for what they sell into the marketplace. 
Watney said consumers are looking for a connection to family farms and not corporate entities. I would love to see us spend the time, do a study, find out where the marketplace is, find out how we can own most of it and profit from every level of the food dollar instead of just giving it away in a commodity type system. South Dakota Representative Dusty Johnson reintroduced two livestock-focused bills, the Butcher Blocked Act and the Amplifying Process of Livestock in the U.S. or A-plus Act. The Butcher Block Act would establish a grant and loan program at USDA for new and expanding meat processors, while the A-plus Act would allow for expanded investments to local packers. Johnson released the statement saying the cattle country needs solutions. These bills would provide increased capacity to small packers and drive healthy competition to create a more stable market. A bill has been introduced in the U.S. Senate to strengthen agriculture's role on the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. This is a government entity that oversees the foreign investment and acquisition of American companies. This issue has gained attention with the proposed, rather proposed Fufang corn wet milling project in Grand Forks. North Dakota Senators John Hoven and Kevin Kramer are co-sponsoring this bill. The Minnesota Milk Producers Association has released its policy and fiscal priorities for the upcoming year. Minnesota Milk uh, Executive Director Lucas Schostrom uh, says their fiscal and policy priorities overlap quite a bit. Soil health has been our number one. Uh, I think it's number one for farmers, has been for a long time, whether they're, many of these soil health practices work great with dairy farms. That includes alfalfa, that includes manure, that includes conservation and your tillage. Uh, the second major thing I want to talk about is, is the DAIRI program. It gives dairy farmers in Minnesota a rebate for the Dairy Margin Coverage Program, which is a federal farm bill program. And it was so successful that the program paid for itself in the first year. Finally, just, just watching regulations and watching rules to make sure they work with science. Uh, we're disappointed in uh, greenhouse gas calculations and, and cover crops requirements. Showstrom says the Dairy Assistance Investment and Relief Initiative was wildly successful last year, and he reminds dairy producers to sign up if they're eligible. At the time, there were about 2,500 dairy farmers in Minnesota, and over 80% of them, 88%, signed up. Uh, our neighboring state of Wisconsin at the same time and nationwide had about uh, 45 to 55% of farmers sign up. So uh, that's why we say it, it really paid for itself in year one. We know, based on those stats, about half of dairy farmers are going to sign up for it. The problem, it seems to me, that every time the dairy margin coverage sign-up happens, the markets look good, and so dairy farmers don't sign up. And then... Uh, Something happens the year after. That's exactly what happened last time. Syngenta and Corteva are in federal court defending their customer loyalty programs. Ten state attorneys generals and the Federal Trade Commission claim the two companies paid distributors a block competition from selling generic products. The Minnesota Eggs office is included in this complaint. Syngenta and Corteva officials indicate their rebate and incentive programs are voluntary. The newly formed Northern Plains Forage Association held their first meeting this week at the Sioux Falls Farm Show. SDSU Extension Forage Field Specialist Sarah Bowder says the association is a partnership of forage growers and industry partners to promote sustainable and profitable forage production across the state. The Northern Plains Forage Association is a new group that was just recently formed this year. 
Last year at uh, another regional forage meeting, a group of us got together and just felt that South Dakota needed some kind of formal organized grower group for forages. So finally, we have put together a board of 10 people. We have bylaws set, and we have called ourselves the Northern Plains Forage Association. Our uh, forming board really consists of growers, of industry personnel, and, and also forage and livestock growers. This is the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Let's catch up with Ag Week reporter Ann Bailey. And what do you have for us on the cover of Ag Week? This week we're going to visit with Maddock Ranch near Maddock, North Dakota, run by Dane and Travis Maddock and their families. Maddock Ranch does rotational grazing and regenerative agriculture. Travis Maddock also has a business called Dakota Global Consulting, which is a meat safety business. So he is knowledgeable about the cattle industry from the calf to the plate. There are several different Maddox families. Shane and Travis have an operation. His brother has an operation. Shane and Travis's father, Brian, also is part of Maddox Ranch. The stewardship of the land is extremely important. They might graze as many as uh, their cattle on as many as 200 different pastures or hundreds of pastures during the year, and they have had great improvement in soil health and prairie grasses that had been dormant for decades are coming back. Is that just a function of not overgrazing then? Yes, they they uh, rotation rotational grazing, so they move them from paddock to paddock. And that is their primary source of feed for the cattle. They feed the cows through the winter until the next fall. And they don't calve until June. So the cows are actually 15 months old when they sell them. Sounds interesting. Looking forward to reading about it next week's Ag Week. And let's check markets before we leave you. March wheat, Minneapolis, four cents higher, 922. Chicago March wheat's down a penny and a quarter. Kansas City now five and three quarter cents higher on the March contract. March corn. Penny and a half higher, 684. December corn's down two and a quarter. March soybeans right now trading down 12 and a quarter at 15.11 and a quarter. November is a quarter penny lower. Thanks for joining us. This is the Red River Farm Network.